Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 152 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week 13 in the NFL concluded last night. I'll do a recap of the action and give you my takeaways from week 13 in the NFL. And college football is now wrapped up, and now we're getting ready for the championship. I'll do a recap of the action from championship weekend and my takeaways from championship weekend in college football. And I will close with my thoughts on Coach Prime, Deion Sanders' move from Jackson State to take the job as head coach of Colorado. Coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 152 started. Well, you know, I'm going to start my opening takes, and that's in the NFL. We're going to start with a recap of Week 13's action. We'll start off with the Minnesota Vikings versus the New York Jets. Now, another close game, another Vikings victory. They won this game 27-22. They were up 20-3 at one point. The Jets could get nothing going on offense early. But the defense did, did as much as they could to keep them in the game, allowing the Jets to keep the game close and had a chance to win it in the end. The Jets, they blew opportunities to win this game. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they got the ball down the field. Mike White threw an interception late in the fourth that sealed their faith. Kirk Cousins had a subpar game, 173 yards passing, one touchdown. Dalvin Cook only 86 yards, rushing one TD. Justin Jefferson was held in check, 45 yards, receiving one touchdown. TJ Hawkinson had 33 yards, and Adam Cleveland 27 yards. Mike White, in a losing effort, had 269 yards passing, two interceptions. Sovin White, their running back, had 90 yards rushing. Corey Davis had 85 yards receiving and Ty Johnson 38 yards. For the Minnesota Vikings, another good victory. I mean, next week, they can clinch the NFC North Division because there's no other competition in that division left. And now that they're showing that all the games have to do is be close and they'll find a way to pull it out. For the Jets, this, this loss was a little bit of a setback, I believe. The Jets now, they, I don't think they have much of a chance to win the division, but they still can secure a playoff spot. But they got to be, they have to start um, winning more games to make sure they stay in the playoff. They're not 7-5, and five, and I think the next couple of um, weeks are going to determine whether they can secure a playoff spot or... Will they um, play their way out of the playoffs? Here's what they have coming up in the next two, three games. They have the, they have the Buffalo Bills coming up, and that's going to be a tough one. That's one they have to have. I mean, that could be huge. That could be huge for playoff implications. Then after Buffalo, then they have Detroit Lions. Not going to be easy, and then Jacksonville. So. If they can win two out of the next three games, they'll be okay. Now let's move on to one of the marquee matchups, which didn't turn out to be such a marquee game after all. 
And that's the Tennessee Titans versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles blew away this blew away the um, Titans 35-10. Jalen Hurts was on fire. He had 380 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And 24, oh, they didn't have much in the running game, but they didn't need it. Miles Sanders only had 24 yards and one TD. But it was the A.J. Brown Bowl. A.J. Brown played his first several seasons with the Tennessee Titans. They were a team that drafted him and then traded him away. And but A.J. Brown showed him that y'all should have paid me. And he did, and he delivered 119 yards and two touchdown receptions. Devontae Smith had 102 yards and one TD. The Tennessee offense was just basically stagnated. Ryan Tannehill only had 141 yards and one touchdown. He had 34 yards rushing. Derrick Henry, for the second straight game, was held in check. He only had 30 yards rushing. And trailing um, Branks, who the... Um, who the Titans got a first-round draft pick from the A.J. Brown trade had 125 yards um, receiving. He had that one big touchdown play. And Chigazalim, I, I said that wrong, I'm sorry. Cohen had 68 yards receiving. For the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they're, they're just, right now, they're just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, who's who's gonna stop this team in the playoffs? I mean, they are now eleven and one, and it all sets up favorably for them coming up. Here's what they have for the next couple of games. Two of them are division games. They got the Giants next week, who on are just barely hanging. I mean, they, they tied um, the Washington Commanders last week, and then they lost. Uh, in the following, the, the previous week, they got the Bears and the Cowboys. So it looks like they're going to either go three and zero, or they're going to go two and one. That Cowboys game could be key. And if they win, they win that game. Chances are the division is theirs. As for the Titans, they better get it together because right now they're looking like they're going to be another season where they're going to be one and done. I mean, right now, they're heading their division because their division is terrible. I'll talk more about Tennessee in my takeaways. Now let's go to a mar- another marquee matchup of Week 13, and this one lived up to its billing. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Chiefs for the third straight time, 27-24. to Joe Burrow has now improved to 3-0 versus Patrick Mahomes in head-to-head matchups. I would argue this was, this was one of the best games of the year in the NFL. I mean, this was a seesaw battle, back and forth. I mean, the Chiefs even took the lead going into the fourth quarter by 7, but was not able to hold it. Joe Burrow had 286 yards, passing two touchdowns. He also had 46 yards rushing and one TD. And the thing about it is, Joe Burrow was not even sacked in this game. Sanjay Piran, playing in the place of Joe Mixon for the second straight game at 106 yards rushing, and also had 49 yards receiving 
Jamar Chase, after missing the last three games, came back and had 97 yards receiving, Tyler Boyd 60 yards, and T. Higgins 35 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 223 yards, 1 TD. Jerick McKinnon, 51 yards receiving, rushing. Marquise Valdez-Scanlon, 71 yards. Travis Kelsey had 56 yards, and he also had one fumble. Juju had 35 yards. For the Cincinnati Bengals, I said this last week in my takeaways, they're, not, they're the team that nobody in the AFC wants to face. This is the most dangerous team in the AFC. Now the, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but this they've gotten it together since that 0-2 start. And now they have a chance to possibly even take over the um, AFC North division because Baltimore looks to be looks to be in some trouble with Lamar Jackson. Talk more about that later. As for the Chiefs, I mean, chances are no, nobody's nobody's going to threaten them in the um, AFC West. I mean, they got that division sewed up, but they're looking a little vulnerable here. I mean, it seems like the Cincinnati Bengals just have their number. I mean, it's just it's like that sometimes in the NFL. Some some teams are just bad matchups for for some. So I don't think we need to worry about the Chiefs too much. I mean, this is a loss. The only thing this does to the Chiefs is now Buffalo has taken the lead for the overall number one seed. Now let's just say they were to um, get in the playoffs and have to meet Buffalo. They'll be meeting Buffalo in their house. And this, and if it goes the way, if it keeps going on this um, trajectory, the Kansas City Chiefs could be playing their games on the road this season in the playoffs. And then we'll see what happens then. Now let's move on to the Miami Dolphins versus my San Francisco 49ers. Of course, there are two storylines of this game. The number one storyline was Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt on the first series injured his foot first it was reported it was a broken foot and he would need surgery but of course he is still out for the season now it's been reported that he will not need surgery he would just miss 7 to 8 weeks that puts him in line for the playoffs but Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy third string quarterback came in for the Niners at 210 yards 2 touchdowns 1 interception Christian McCaffrey had 66 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving. Jordan Mason finally getting his opportunity. He had um, 51 yards um, rushing. Debo Samuel had 58 yards receiving. Brandon Ayuk 46 yards, and Jarek Mc. I mean, not Jen- Jawan Jennings had 33 yards, 34 yards rush, um, receiving. The second story of the game was the 49ers defense. Now, on the first play, they gave up a big-time 75-yard touchdown pass from Tua Tonga-Bailoa to Trent Shurfield. But after that, they buckled down, and they made it hard for Tua. You could tell Tua was rattled if you watched this game. I mean, he was just missing throws, missing wide-open guys, and even took three sacks from Nick Bosa and turned over the ball two times. He had 295 yards to finish the game, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The Dolphins, as a team, only had 33 yards rushing. Raheem Mostert only had 30 yards. Now, 
Coach Mike McDaniel should know better. It, it seemed like they weren't even trying to run the ball in this game. I mean, he should know that coming from the um, 49ers, it's all about balance. Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill had 146 yards and one TD. And Churchill had that 75-yarder and nothing else afterwards. The simple fact is the real 49ers beat the, beat the 49ers of the South. Now, for my Niners going forward, it's going to be all about Brock Purdy. Now, whether Jimmy, when Jimmy comes back, maybe he'll probably be deep in the playoffs. But then a big question is going to have, is going to be being asked, if Brock Purdy is continuing to play well, when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, will he get his job back, or will he be riding the bench, depending on how far the Niners go in the playoffs. For the Miami Dolphins, hey, this was just a case of humble pie. They ran into a buzzsaw, which is the Niners' defense. This is something they can learn from going forward. But Mike McDaniel has to be able to needs to be more balanced because now I'm willing to bet teams around the NFL are watching, um, looking at this tape, and thinking how can they duplicate the success of my Niners defense. So the Dolphins will be fine. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, but they got to get they need to they need to get more balanced if they're going to go even further. And finally, let's go to Monday Night Football where the Saints took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won this game 17 to 16 and swept the season series with the with the um, New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady does it again. He leads another fourth fourth quarter game-winning drive when he threw the touchdown with nearly three seconds to go to the running back to win the the game. This is his 44th career fourth quarter victory, which is is the most all-time passing Peyton Manning. This was a tough defensive game throughout, as expected. It was similar to the first game they played against each other. Both these teams couldn't run the ball to save their lives. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers only had 76 yards rushing as a team, and the Saints only had 66 yards rushing as a team. Tom Brady had 281 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Fournette had 49 yards rushing, 32 yards receiving. Chris Godwin, 63 yards. Mike Evans, 59 yards. Andy Dalton, 229 yards, 1 TD. Mark Ingram, 27 yards. Russian, 22 yards receiving. Alan Kamara, 26 yards receiving. And the only touchdown that um, um, catch was by Taysom Hill. He had 35 yards receiving, 1 TD. Wow. Not much from Chris Olave or Jarvis Landry at all. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have a chance now at six and six to win this division. Now that they've won the head, they both head-to-head matchups with against the Saints, all they got to do is win the rest of their games. In the division, and the division is theirs. Of course, when they meet a better team which is my 49ers next week, We're gonna, you're going to see what they're made of. Talk more about that game 
on Friday. As for the Saints, I think this is it for them. I think their season's over. Going forward, chances are they're probably going to be in the market for a quarterback. Whether it's in free agency or the draft. Because Andy Dalton, it doesn't doesn't appear to have it. I mean, when is it going to be time for Dennis Allen to start seeing what Jameis can do? Maybe Jameis might be the answer. Long going forward. Maybe they need to look free agency for a quarterback or the draft. But either way, Andy Dalton is not getting it done. Now let's move on to my takeaways from week 13 in the NFL. First takeaway, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson injured his knee in, in the first quarter versus the um versus the Denver Broncos and was ruled out for the season. Now it's been reported he will be out one to three weeks with a sprained LCL. Of course, this is not good news for the Ravens because there's no way they're going to go far with their backup quarterback. This happened to Lamar last year and the team fell apart. So they hope they can find a way to hold the ride to ship because we all know if Lamar Jackson ain't scoring no points, their defense ain't going to do, ain't going to, it's not going to help them out because their defense is awful. But of course, this also could hurt Lamar Jackson's contract negotiations because he betted on himself this year and yeah, he was doing good, but now this could be used against him in contract negotiations because the first thing the Ravens organization can say is, we don't know if you can stay healthy long term. I mean, this is the second straight year he's going out with an injury. But if I'm Lamar Jackson, he needs to let the uh, Ravens know he's not playing for them next season without any guarantees. Whatever they'll get, whatever the number is, they better find it. Or Lamar Jackson say, I'm just going to become a free agent and I'm going to walk. But there's no way Lamar Jackson should play another season without any guaranteed uh, money and, and definitely not on no franchise tag either. Second takeaway, the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans fired their G- general manager, John Robinson, who's been there since 2016. And he's put some good teams together, but it's obvious the A.J. Brown Bowl is the reason he got fired. Now, he had a chance. He's the one that drafted A.J. Brown, and A.J. Bre- Brown balled out for the Tennessee Titans. But when it was time to get, for him to get paid, they didn't want to pay him. So they decided to trade him for a a first-round pick, and he came back to bite them. And right now, the Tennessee Titans, they they look lethargic. So, I don't know what this move is going to do for the Titans going forward, but right now, they better find a way to get that offense moving. Because if not... They're going to be one and done once again. Third takeaway. This is a little bit of a pet peeve. It is about another tie in the NFL. The Washington Commanders tied the um, New, New, New York Giants this past Sunday. I'm sorry, but 
I think ties in the NFL are a joke. This is this should not even be a thing. This is the pros. This should be a winner and a loser. The fact that there's still the idea of ties is ridiculous. If college football can get rid of ties, why can't the NFL? The NFL is just finding an excuse not to make a make 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 a move to have a winner and a loser. There's a way you can come up with this. Like I can say you go, it should be it should be you know one quarter after one quarter another sudden death. I'm sure there's a there's a way you don't have to go sudden death all game all game long, but there's a way that they can come up with a with a with a formula that's gonna that's gonna um, break ties and have a winner and a loser. Because I think we the fans deserve that when we watch an NFL game, one winner, one loser, no ties. And finally, my my, my final takeaway. The Jeff Saturday experiment, the Jeff Saturday experiment, is in, it seems to be imploding. They've gotten one victory, but they've lost the last three games since he's become coach. The simple fact is, this move was made for one thing and one thing only. That's to keep the Saints fans from 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 not coming to the games. And I wouldn't come to the games either. The product on the field is awful. They've been blown out in two straight games. I mean, Dallas hung 54 points against them, including 33 in the fourth quarter. The simple fact is, I don't believe that those players believe in Jeff Saturday. Most of them weren't, he probably weren't even alive when he was playing. But yet, because the owner, Jim Ursay, is his boy, he gave him the job. As I as I stated, this was a money move to keep the fans from 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 not from not from coming from not coming into games because they were going to look at it as you get an intern that's somebody that they don't know. Most of the fans look at it as hey, they're giving up on the season. And Jim Irsay tried try to convince the fans that he was not giving up. Well, hey, I think the players have given up. I mean. I mean, getting blown, getting beat like the way they've been getting beat, that goes to show that there ain't much effort there. So maybe Jim, Jim, Ursa, maybe this will be a sign that Jim Ursay will, in the offseason, go with a real coach. Because there's no way he's going to take that franchise, I mean, that an intern tag off of no Jeff Saturday. Not after these performances. Now this will include the NFL segment. Now let's move on to college football. There were some shakeups, and now we know who the four teams are. But before we get to the four teams, let's start off with Friday's game, where one team had a chance to get in there, and that was the UFC, USC Trojans. That's so right, the UFC Trojans had a chance to get the punch their ticket to the college football playoff, but then they got tripped up by the Utah Utes for the second for the second time this season. Utah Utes blow, blew out the um, Trojans 47 to 24. Cameron Risen, big time game. 310 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Jaquandon Jackson, they're running back, 105 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And Money Parks, 88 yards and one TD. Khalib Williams, three touchdowns, one interception. 
363 yards. Now, this game, he had a chance to wrap up the Heisman Trophy. Now, he's going to be one of the four finalists. Talk more about that later. But this was his this was his Heisman Trophy to win. And he, he, and he, may, have, he may still win it, but he may have also blew it. Didn't get nothing out of the running game. They only had 56 yards rushing as a team. Kudos to the Utah Utes defense for making them one-dimensional. I mean, Austin Jones only had 35 yards. Jordan Addison only had 65 yards. Tajay Washington, 93 yards. Now, for the Utah Utes, they won't not only win the Pac-12, but they get a nice little bowl game. For USC, they're just gonna get a bowl. They're just gonna get. They're just gonna get a bowl game, and that's about it. Nothing. Nothing more. But they blew this opportunity. But look, Khalid Williams is a sophomore, so this is some growing pains. We all know next season, UFC is gonna be a powerhouse. But that might be just for one more season before they before they bolt to the um Big Ten. Because Prime is coming to the Pac-12. Now let's move on to LSU versus Georgia. I predicted on my Friday podcast that this game would be 40-20. to 20, But both teams decide to score 10 more points. As Georgia won this matchup 50-30, to 30, won the SEC championship and is the number one team in the college football playoff. Stetson Bennett had 274 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Kendall Kendall, um, Milton had 113 yards rushing, and Brock Bowers, 81 yards, receiving in one touchdown. Jaden Daniels had 208 yards, one touchdown, one interception for LSU, but he left the game injured. So Garnett Newsmeister had 294 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Only had 47 yards rushing as a team. One-dimensional. Hey, that's that Georgia defense for you. Even though they gave up a lot of points, but most of that was in garbage time. I mean, they were way ahead of this game. Um, Malik um, Neighbors had 128 yards, one TD. Keyshawn um, Bolt. Booty had um, 107 yards, one TD. So for Georgia, we all we all know they're the team to beat. They're the defending national champions. We'll talk more about their matchup and takeaways. As for LSU, all you can say for Brian Kelly is this was a good season for. Him. I mean, he came. He, this is his first time in the SEC. He 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 posted a nine and four record. With a six and two, so there's a lot of promise there for Brian Kelly. I mean, he's he was a good coach at Notre Dame, and I I take it he'll be a good coach here as well. Don't tell don't tell um, Paul Pinebaum that he might disagree. Now let's move on to Kansas State versus TCU. TCU they did punch their ticket in. More about that in a minute, but they lost this game. 38 to 20, 31 to 28 in overtime. Once again, they, f- they found themselves behind in the game and at the rally to take the game into overtime. But in overtime, they got stopped on third and fourth down at the goal line. 
For Kansas State, Will Howard, 199 yards, two touchdowns. Deuce Vaughn, big time game, 130 yards rushing, one TD. And Phillip Brooks, only 48 yards. Not much from the receivers, but they didn't really didn't really need it. The running game was was doing the job for them. Max um, Duggan, one of the Heisman Trophy finalists, had 251 yards, two, one touchdown, one interception. He also had 110 yards rushing, and of course, he scored the winning the um, t- game tying touchdown. Kendra Miller had 82 yards rushing and one TD. Quentin Johnston had 139 yards receiving. Now for the for the Horn Frogs, they got to learn to get. They they have to learn to start fast because now they're in the they're in the big leagues with the um, college football playoff, and them falling behind is not going to be good for them. They may they, they may not come back this time. Next time they may get blown out. For Kansas State, good season, ten and three, seventy two conference, Big Twelve champions. They'll get themselves a nice little bowl. Now let's move on to Michigan versus Purdue. Nothing much to see here. Everybody knew Michigan was going to win this game. They won this game 43-22. J.J. McCarthy, not, a, not as big of a game as he had against versus Ohio State. He had 161 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Devon Edwards, 185 yards rushing, one touchdown. Taking the place of um, Blake Corm. And Ronnie Bell, 67 yards um, receiving, one TD. And a losing effort, Aiden O'Connell had 366 yards and two interceptions. And the right receiver, Charlie Jones, had 162 yards receiving. Now for Michigan, they're number two in the, com- in the um, college football playoff. So they've punched their ticket with an undefeated season. Kudos to my man Jim Harbaugh. Over the last couple of seasons, he's got the um, Wolverines in the net and the college football playoff. Can he take them to the next step? That remains to be seen. But now let's go with my takeaways from college from championship Saturday in college football. First takeaway is a college football playoff. We already know who the teams are. And we already know what the matchups are going to be. So we have Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, TCU at number three, and Ohio State at number four. That's right. Ohio State got it at number four. Now I know somewhere on pins and needles wondering, should Alabama gotten in? But the college football committee did the right thing. Ohio State had one loss. Alabama had two losses. So I think it would have been it would have been unfair to jump Alabama because it's Alabama over um Ohio State. Because Alabama had two losses in the fight and, and, and I mean late that season, the season. Ohio State had their loss, even though they got blown out of the on college, I mean at, at, at home versus Michigan. They were they were right. That was their only loss. So it was more than fair. So kudos to the committee to getting it right. So now here's the matchups. We have Ohio State versus Georgia. We have TCU versus Michigan. I'll talk more about those games as it gets closer. 
And these are New Year's Eve games. So hopefully the, the college football playoff will be the, these, these semifinal games will live up to a billing. Because let's be honest, the last couple of years, mo- these games have been a joke. They haven't, they've been very lopsided. So we'll see what happens going forward with this. Second takeaway, the Heisman Trophy finalists, Khalid Williams of USC, Stetson Bennett, which is a surprise, um, won the finalists, Max Duggan, and CJ Stroud. This is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna be, uh, this is a, this is an interesting. Three of them, you, you, I mean, not surprise. Stetson Bennett, I admit, is a little bit of a surprise. Totally was not expecting him to be one of the finalists. Not saying he's not a good player. I mean, he's had a, he's had a good season. So it's, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, who wins this one? I'll make my prediction on Friday. My third takeaway is not not that I'm surprised by this. I actually predicted this was going to happen. DJU from Clemson has entered the um, transfer portal after being benched in the um, ACC championship for his poor play. And Dabble Sweeney decided to go with the freshman at quarterback. He went with freshman quarterback Cade Klubnik. Klubnik had 279 yards and one touchdown. DJ came in for three series and looked awful. So Dabble Sweeney pulled a plug on DJU and decided to put in the freshman. And now he's confirmed after their big victory over North Carolina to claim the ACC championship that he will be starting in the bowl game. I, I was saying this to myself. If DJ does not get the job, I mean, get the starting position at Clemson next season, he's, he was going to enter the transfer portal and he did just that. I mean, he's a graduate student, so all he has to do is get to a good school and play one more good season. Now, I'm not saying he's, I mean, he's been hot and cold. He started out pretty good this season, but... He kind of fade, he kind of faded away toward the end. So the best thing to do is hopefully he gets a good school, gets a good offense that uses that utilizes the skill set, and maybe, just maybe, he might get drafted in the NFL, maybe as a backup. So that will end this this um college football takeaway segment. I'm gonna close now with Coach Prime, Dion Sanders. Deion Sanders, for the last three years, has been coaching at Jackson State. But now that they've won their second straight SWAC championship and will be playing in the Celebration Bowl for the second straight year versus North Carolina Central, December 17th in Atlanta, Deion Sanders has now accepted the job to become the head coach of the, of, of the Colorado Buffaloes, a Division I school. Now, this move was anticipated for weeks now, but now Dion is getting a lot of um, backlash for leaving Jackson State. Before I get into my thoughts, let's look at what Dion has done since he took over 
for Jackson State on the se- at September 21st, 2020. His first season was the um was the COVID year. So they only played seven games and he was four and three. And since then, he's been he's 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 had a he's had a, an excellent record going forward. He's 27 and 5 overall at Jackson State, 19 and 2 in conference playoff conference record, and has won two straight um, SWAC championships. And look and looks to um, end it on us at the Celebration Bowl with another undefeated season. Now here are my I'm gonna I'm, here are my thoughts on um, Deion Sanders' move. Now I know that a lot there's other everybody's um calling him a sellout and people are calling call him all kinds of names. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about this from a football perspective. So here are my thoughts on Dion's move to Colorado. I don't know what everybody what everybody's being upset people being upset about. What made people thought that Dion Sanders was gonna stay at Jackson State long term? I mean, did anybody expect him to be the next Eddie Robinson? Shout out to the late Eddie Robinson, former head coach of the of the of, the, of Grambling. The third um, winningest coach in college football history, multiple championships, and one of the pioneers of college football at HBCU. But Dion had no intention of staying at Jackson State long term. Dion did what he what he what he needed to do. Dion was is out there building himself a big profile. That was his intention all along. Jackson State was a stepping stone. I mean, look what they've done since um, Dion's been there. I guess I guess a SWAC championship in 2021 and 22. Undefeated regular season. First, first for Dom Jackson State. First for a SWAC team since 84. He also brought in two big-time recruits. Two guys who could have gone to a Division I school. Could have gone to an Alabama. A Clemson. Go to any SEC school, but he was able to pull those recruits and, t- and convince them to come to Jackson State. College Game Day even came to Jackson State. Now we all know college uh, ESPN College Game Day rarely comes to an HBCU. So because of Deion Sanders' um, profile and what he's done for that um, school, College Game Day took notice and decided to do one of their um, three-hour shows at Jackson State this year. So Dion has done has has done an enormous amount, and he's probably changed a lot of kids' lives as well. Now he's looking to do the same at um at Colorado. Now over the last few seasons, Colorado has not has been insignificant. Now, I mean they've been terrible for a long time. I mean there was a time when when the Colorado Buffaloes was in the mix. I mean, they won a national championship back in 1997, and they got a great fan base. Dion might Dion is look Dion is looking to build. I mean, he's looking to um, leave. A, I mean, build there, leave 
leave the place better than when he found it. I mean, Jackson State in the SWAC wasn't a bad school. I mean, they, 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 they've been good throughout their history. So he just came in there and just made and just made their profile bigger. But let's keep it a buck. Dion's ultimate goal is the NFL. Yeah, I said it. The NFL. He's not going to tell you that. But we all know that he, if he, um, if he does he duplicates the same success at Colorado that he did at Jackson State, Dion will be in the NFL in the next five years. That's right. You you heard it here. 2027. If Colorado, if Colorado looks like Jackson State, or and even big and even bigger and better, 2027, Deion Sanders will be in the NFL coaching. And I believe that is his long-term goal. He's not looking to be a, tw- a tw- I mean, a 20-year um coach at one particular place. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not Deion's forte. That's not his personality. I mean, he's not going to be at Jackson State no more than, no, no more than, I mean, not Jackson State. He's not going to be at Colorado no more than five years, no more than five years. But of course, if, if, if they, if they suck in five, he'll be gone in three years. So all all the haters hating on Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders did what any coach or any person would have done he got himself a big a, a big a big raise he was making 300,000 K at Jackson State he's making he's gonna be making 25 million at Colorado now who who in their right mind if they see a big opportunity to make more money they're not gonna take it but of course for Dion it's not about the money because he don't need it the man is a Hall of Famer. He's made a lot of money during his 14 years in the NFL. So the money's not the, the money is not an issue for Dion. And besides, give here's something else you everybody should give Dion credit for. Dion Sanders had his toes amputated and he still went out there and coached the game. And not only that, most coaches, after they get a head coaching job, they leave and not coach their team in and, and their last um, game of the season. Deion Sanders is coaching Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl in a couple of weeks. So give that, give the, um, Coach Prime his his um, his props for at least sticking with the kids before he takes the Colorado job. So in closing, I'm just going to say this. Good luck, Coach Prime. Deion Sanders. Best of luck at at the University of Colorado. And I will be rooting for your success. Now, this will conclude episode 152 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading and streaming. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you stream your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore Gabe. I can thank everyone for listening, downloading, and streaming. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.